It's a Wonderful Life 2019. We are so excited about this year, and uh, there's hope for 2019. And uh, God wants you to know that we have so much hope because of Him, because of Jesus. So hope, uh, biblical hope, is different from what, the way that most people think about hope. You know, when you, most people think about hope, you know, they cross their fingers and they think, well, I just really hope so. But in the back of their mind, it's like there's not a chance that this is going to happen. But biblical hope is totally different. It's a confident expectation that God is going to do it. So our hope needs to be different than the way that the world thinks about hope. You know, I, well, I just hope I get that job. I hope I can get a better job. I hope that this will work out for me. No, you need to. I'm hoping this is going to work out for me. And you say it with such a boldness and confidence that you know that it's going to happen. Yes, yes. That's the difference between the world hoping and you and I hoping because our hope is in him. You know, because hoping God does not mean that, well, it's probably not going to happen. No, it's, I'm expecting that it is going to happen. Psalms 27, 13 and 14 says this. What, what would have become of me had I not believed that I would see the goodness in the land of the living? Wait and hope, wait and hope for and expect the Lord. Be brave and of good courage and let your heart be stout and enduring. Yes, wait for and hope for and expect the Lord. So what are you hoping for 2019? What are you expecting to happen? It's amazing when so many Christians, you know, they expect, well, I'm sure it's not going to happen. It's amazing that that's exactly what does not happen. Well, biblical hope, it's, it's desiring what you know that's in your heart and you say, I believe it's going to come to pass. I believe it's going to come to pass. Hebrews 10, 23 says this, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Notice that we're not supposed to waver. And the reason why you don't have to waver because you know that Jesus is faithful. Everybody, you know, Christians say that. Well, I just know God is faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. But I don't know he's going to do that for me. Well, either he's faithful or he's not faithful. He is faithful. The Bible says he is. But this is the problem. We waver in our hope. For example, let's just say that you're hoping for, that your finances are going to be great in 2019. And you're hoping. And January 3rd, your hot water heater goes out. January 7th, your car breaks down. By January 10th, you've lost all hope. You're wavering. Don't waver just because a circumstance happens. Don't waver because circumstances happen. Problems come up. And then when that happens, usually people give up their hope. But what God wants you to know today, for the whole year of 2019, there is hope for you every single day of 2019, for 2020, and every day thereafter. There's hope for you because of Him. Everybody say, because of Jesus. Hope is the part of faith that knows that it's in the future, but it is still going to come to pass. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so here's hope over here, and it's all alone. But when you start believing in the hope, 
then faith gives substance to that hope and causes it to become a reality of something that you haven't seen, but you know it's true. Does that make sense? So faith is all over here all by itself, and it's saying you need to have hope. Okay, I have hope. But don't just have the world kind of hope. Have the biblical kind of hope that says, I believe it's going to happen. Now faith gives a substance to that hope. It gives substance to that hope. Now you believe it's going to happen. Don't let problems take your hope away. You have a choice. You have a choice to keep believing. How do you see 2019? You know, most people see it good the first few days, maybe first few weeks of January. Then by February, it's kind of like, yeah, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. They give up that, that quick. This is what I do to myself, and I, I'm going to tell you to do the same. Preach to yourself. Do you know the greatest sermon you will hear will not be coming from this pulpit, but it will be coming from your lips? Preach to yourself. It's a biblical thing. David did that. In Psalms 42, 5, this is the Amplified. It says this. This is David. He said, I mean, he was having a hard time evidently in his life. Why are you cast down, O my inner self? The King James says, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you cast down? And why should you moan over me and be disquieted within me? Hope in God and wait expectantly for him, for I shall yet praise him, my help and my God. He was, I mean, he was anointed as king, and yet he was running from Saul because Saul was the king at that time, and Saul and all of his army was chasing one man, David. So instead of David being king living in the palace, he was David living in the caves and underneath trees, sleeping on dirt, running for his life. And so he probably, how many think that could be discouraging? I'm king, and here I am. And he kept thinking, if I'm not careful, I could lose my life. The whole army of Israel is chasing after me. So he got discouraged. And so how did he get out of that discouragement? He didn't just say, God, you know, I just need... No, he just said, hey, soul, why are you depressed? Stop it right now. Why so downcast on my soul? My hope is going to be in God. And even this is pre-New Covenant. I'm telling you, David had a revelation before even Jesus came and was buried and resurrected. He said, my hope is going to be in you, God, and I'm expecting the good to happen. Now, if he can do that under the old covenant, how much more can we do underneath a great new covenant with better promises? Amen? So you got to use your imagination. Did you know imagination is a God-given gift to you and to me? And a lot of times we use our imagination for the negative things, you know, like oh, I believe this is going to happen. And you just meditate on that. You give it, you get HD living color inside of your mind that the negative thing is going to happen. But God wants you to use your imagination for the good. So whatever you're hoping for, you need to write it down and just let your imagination run wild, run big, think big, think big. Think big for 2019. But this is what the problem is. The problem is you said, Pastor, I've done that. I make New Year's resolution every year, and they never, they never happen. They never happen. So you lose hope. There's some of you may be believing for your health to be better. Maybe you've been believing, you know, the doctor says there's really, I'm just going to have to live with it. 
This is just, you know. And it's okay because I can live with it. I can live with it. You can. But I'm here to tell you today, your Heavenly Father doesn't want you to live with it. I'm not trying to make you feel bad for giving up because I, I did that for years ago when I, I was in Kentucky. Even when we moved to, to Tulsa, Oklahoma, I had allergies so bad. And uh, the doctor just told my mother that I would just have to live with it. First of all, he says, my advice to you is to move to Alaska where something never grows. My mom says, I don't think that's going to work. So she, he basically says, you're just going to have to live with it. And I took shots every week of my life for years. And, and, uh, and it just kept me, you know, somewhat alive. But my eyes would swell up and I'd have to go to bed. And there's days of my life that I just didn't have a life. And I found out, I started studying about God's word and how he wants me to walk in health and healing. And so you need to, I just put my hope in that. Snot would be running out of my mouth. It was gross. Are you using your imagination right now? I mean, snot would be just running out of my mouth. I mean, everything and my eyes would be swelled shut. And so it was just really, really gross. And you can't do anything. You can't go, people go, oh, you want to go to, out to eat? No, I don't. No, I don't. I don't want to do anything. And then yet, I'm telling you, I remember the time that I started putting my trust in God. I remember the day that when I started putting my hope in Him. And I remember the day when we heard on the newscast, I was watching the news before I was going to work, my wife and I, and they said, this has been the worst fall in history in Tulsa, Oklahoma for allergies. And I looked at her and I said, I have not sneezed. I haven't done anything. My eyes have been perfect this whole time and I didn't even realize it don't give up don't give up people who are watching online don't give up and you know I, I just sensed in my heart when we were worshiping the Lord that there are people that maybe it, it, it's a health thing that you're struggling with don't give up well I've tried I don't care if you tried it 50 times I don't care if you tried it 50 million times that's my number I like 50 million but uh, don't, don't give up and if it's your relationship, if you think I've been married to this person or, uh, or the lack of it, I've been looking for the right one, don't give up. God has somebody for you. And God, listen, when it comes to marriages, I've been married almost 30 years. And so I, I know there's times that when you think, dear Lord, I thought we got over this and I thought we were better. And it's just like Mount Sinai going around at 50 times you know you think haven't we gotten victory over this yet but this is the thing I'm going to tell you what will give you victory you quit looking at the other one one amen that's not bad out of whole church the more that I quit looking and putting them underneath the microscope and I put the, me underneath there the more they look better and the more they act better God says, if you will let me transform you, it won't matter what they do. <laughs> That's a win-win. You can have the greatest marriage, the greatest relationship in 2019 that you ever had, and the other person does not even have to change. Moving right along, Jeremiah 29, 11. I mean, people, you know when people look at you like this, you think... Let's just go to the next scripture. Jeremiah 29, 11. 
I know what I'm doing. This is God speaking. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out, plans to take care of you, not abandon you, plans to give you the future who hopes for. The future that you hope for. So if you're not hoping for anything good to happen, God doesn't have much to work with, does he? But he says, if you are hoping for something good, he says, I can work with that. I can work with that. And as far as God is concerned, he says in the scripture that his plans for you are for good. One translation even says this, plans to prosper you. Plans to prosper you. But this is the problem. When you're hopeless, you don't have any motivation. You don't have any motivation to do anything. I mean, we live in one of the most prosperous countries on the planet. We live in some of the best healthcare systems on the planet. We live in, I mean, everything is great, and yet there's people committing suicide every day of our, on this planet. People commit, and why do they commit suicide? They are hopeless. There may be somebody watching online that may you just feel like, I'm hopeless. I don't have, there is always hope for you. I don't care if the doctor says there's no hope. I don't care if your parents said there's no hope for you. If your spouse has said there's no hope for you, that's all a lie. There's always hope because there's always Jesus. And the Bible says Jesus is our hope. So don't give up in 2019. No matter how hard it may be. And man, sometimes life is hard. I'm not saying it's not. But even in the hardest of hard times, Jesus is there for you. He says, I'm reaching out. You reach up and I'll tell you what, I'll pull you out of this hell hole. I'll help you. Look to him. No matter how difficult it gets, there is always hope. There's a Florence Shin. This is a great quote. It says, hope looks forward. Faith knows it has already received and acts accordingly. Hope is always looking forward. But it, faith will come along and give substance to that hope and will act accordingly. It will change the way that you live. You'll quit living from a negative standpoint of view, from a point of view that, man, everything's negative. I mean, don't you battle negative thoughts sometimes? There is times in my life I just feel like, you know, you're standing on a beachhead and it's just 40-foot waves just keep crashing one after another and they're all full of negative stuff. And you're just negative and just negative and you think, okay, I'm not going to think about that anymore. And you start thinking of something else and it takes you down a negative road. Have you been there? I've learned this. You cannot fight negative thoughts with even positive thoughts. The best way to fight negative thoughts is with words, spoken words that you hear. Because I can do that with the fighting the negative thoughts with positive thoughts, and you can do that, seems like, and then it just seems like they just come back again, and they come back again, and then it's like you, you give up. For the believer... There's no giving up. Did you know you can outlast the devil? And I can tell you why. Because he doesn't have the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians 5.23, it says that we have the fruit of patience. Patience is on the inside of you. The devil doesn't have the fruit of the Spirit. So he does not have patience. So you can outlast him. Somebody needs to hear that. You can outlast him all the time. So just know that your faith will give substance to that hope and then you can change the way that you think change the way that you act write down what you want for 2019 if you feel hopeless you don't want to write down but I'm here to tell you every single one of you need to have some kind of hope in 2019 and you need to write it down write it down and look at it all the time 
Last year, in, in January, I got a, a vision board. It's a big board. It's in my office. And every time I come to the office, I look at it. There's about five, how many things? Having, there's pictures of things that I want. A new building for our church, a youth center for our city, the college in Kalimi, and uh, then there's like two or three different things personally I put on there that I want. And uh, you say, well, they didn't happen in 2018. No, but I haven't given up hope. My hope is not in it manifesting at a certain time. My hope is in Jesus and knowing that he's faithful. You have to believe that he's faithful, and then it's going to come to pass. I don't put a calendar, date, or time on my faith. Amen. This is what... In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1, it says this, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. So he says Jesus Christ is my hope. It's the same. So that's what I'm saying. When you hope for something, you're not just hoping and crossing your fingers. What you're saying is this is Jesus. As far as Jesus and I, and I am concerned is my hope is the same as Jesus connecting to what I'm hoping for. And you think Jesus can come through for you. Paul said, my hope is Jesus. So we have to look at hope totally different. So many of us have given up on things and dreams. Oh, you've given up on dreams. You've given up, you know, yeah, we, we, we really wanted a, a nice house. But you know what? We, we've given up on that. We've been renting and we just, we'll probably rent till forever. We're just renters and squatters and satters and sitters. That's just what my daddy was, my grandfather was. We've just, you know, we've just sat. I'll tell you a funny story. This is true history. You know why Colorado Springs and all their cities usually up against the mountains? This could be a negative. I love Colorado Springs, but this could be a negative. It's because people didn't... The pioneers, when they were traveling west, when they got to the mountain, they says, I don't want to go over. Looks too tough, tough, too difficult. Let's settle right here. Mula, Colorado Springs. It was established because people didn't want to go over the mountain. The good news is there's Jesus inside of you. There's not a mountain too tall for you to climb. There is nothing too difficult for you to get over. Because of Jesus, you just say, oh, that looks too big. I mean, Pikes Peak is 14,000 feet. There's just, <laughs> and it's cold on top of it. <laughs> when we're not going to live there, we're just going to cross it. Amen? So when you operate with the knowledge that you want, what you want is already yours, it'll change the way that you live. What I'm hoping for, I believe I already have it. It'll change the way that you respond. And some of you need to just be in a good mood, if nothing else. <laughs> Moving right along. I will say this. For the believer, failure is not an option. Failure is not an option for you and me. There may be setbacks. People say, oh, you failed. No, it's just a setback. I haven't failed. I am going to keep going. I'm going to keep believing. Some Christians only have uh, hope. Because for the afterlife. I remember a time when I would get so excited about end times. I, if you've been here very long, I, I, I preached it and studied it and, and the feast and just really got involved in end times, which is interesting. Nothing wrong with that. 
But there, there can be a point where Christians get so excited about that, and that's what they want to focus on. And I found out it's because it's their escape clause. Kind of like get out of jail free, you know. Yeah, Lord, please take us out of here. I can't stand it here any longer. Did you know that's just a bad representation of the kingdom of God? It went over just like this the first service. <laughs> I'm not shocked. This is the point. This is the point. If we think that I just want Jesus to come back for us and for me because life is so bad here, there is something that's missing from our life. First of all, Jesus is inside of you. Did you know you're not going to get any more of Jesus than how much is inside of you right now? I know some of you think, (laughs) I'm in trouble. You may be thinking, am I even saved? Honey, am I saved? I don't know because I don't feel anything in here. There is an illustration I, I read or heard from a, a minister. It's a good one. It's the, about uh, the RAF Air Force. That's the, the Air Force in England. There was a test pilot for the RAF. And he was an older guy, and he was really good, and he'd been test flying jets for England's Air Force for many years. And so if, you're, if you know a little bit about test uh, planes, is that they're not completely decked out with everything. In other words, all the panels may not, you know, they got everything to fly, of course, but, uh, you know, uh, but they may not have all the panels in place, and, and the, the, the seat may not be super cushioned. It's just, it's just a mock-up. But yet, you know, you get in it and, and test it and every, check out everything. So this test pilot got in there, and he took off. Everything was good, and he got up. Everything was fine. He leveled off at 28,000 feet, and he called back to, to the tower and said, hey, everything's good. And, you know, they had all kinds of people up in the tower to, to make sure that they were writing things down to make sure that everything was working good. And he did all these maneuvers. Yes, that functioned right. And, and all of a sudden, he got back, and his, he was almost hyperventilating. He said, there is the biggest rat that I've ever seen in my life, and it's chewing cables underneath, back behind the cables. When I heard that, I thought, if that would have been Melody, my wife, she would have hit the eject button and said, it's all yours. You test pilot this. And let me know how it works. But anyway, and he couldn't get to the rat, you know, because I was thinking, man, if you could kick it or something, you know, it was behind the, the wires, and he... But the thing is, he called into the tower and says, this thing's chewing on the cables. You know, if it's chewing on cables and it's your, in your house, electrical, it's no big deal. When you're 28,000 feet up in the air, it's a big deal. And so they said, well, you need to get back here. You know, he was miles and miles and miles from the base. He said, I don't think that's a good idea. And so this old timer in the tower goes, hey, buddy, just make sure your oxygen's on. And take that plane as high as it'll go. And where you don't have any oxygen whatsoever. And he said that that bad boy would die. So he did, man. He took that thing up to 50,000 feet. I mean, there's no oxygen at 50,000 feet. And sure enough, he looked down and that brat just slumped over. It was dead on a doornail. He took a picture of it and everything. They got it in the office and he said, test pilot and rat. Everything's okay. (laughs) But this is the thing. When you go up so high, things die. The Lord wants you and I to know in 2019, we need all of these problems that you are going to face. You will face problems in 2019. You will face circumstances in 2019. 
But this is the thing. If you take them up to a higher plateau, they will not have the oxygen to survive in your life. Fear cannot survive at a high altitude. Doubt and unbelief can't survive at a high altitude. What are you saying? I'm saying this, that praise and thanksgiving and looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. When you start praising and worshiping God, it takes you to a height to where fear and doubt can't survive. When you face a problem, that's the mode that you should get into. That's the antidote for fear. The antidote for fear, the antidote for doubt and unbelief is praise and worship to our God. It's a simple thing, but so many of us don't do it. Instead, when fear comes and when doubt comes, we just start wringing our hands and then we call people and we say we want you to pray, but in reality, we want you to jump in fear bed with us because fear likes company. Doubt likes company. But that's not what we're supposed to do. There's a great scripture. It's one of my favorite. It's in Habakkuk. Every time I look at this, I remember in Africa, it was Habakkuk in Swahili. And I thought, you know, I had a lot of trouble with some of the Swahili words, but that one I didn't because I said, you know, even in Kentucky, we would like to say, have a cookie. <laughs> but it was Habakkuk, have a cookie. So you know Swahili today. Chapter 3, verse 17 says this, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no fruit, food, Though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. Do you understand what he's saying here? He's saying starvation is going to set in. People are going to die because there's no food on the trees. There's no food from the cattle in the stalls. The fields have not yielded anything. So we're talking, you can't go to Walmart. That is our survival, is the food that we can grow or raise by cattle or the chickens. And he's saying none of that has survived. We don't have anything. So this isn't just a bad day. This is life or death. Do you understand the seriousness of this? I said, this is life or death. And he says all of that. And then he picks it up in verse 18. Yet or but I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. What is he doing? He's taking this whole starvation thing. And he says, I want to take this bad boy up to 50,000 feet. I'm taking this thing up. And he says, I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on my high heels. What he's saying is this. When you start joying God, when you start praising him in the worst left life or death situation even, even the worst problem to the smallest problem, when you worship and praise him, he says, God will all of a sudden hook up to your hope. He will hook up to your hope and cause your feet. You don't even have to take yourself up to 50,000 feet. He will take you there. He says, God will cause my feet to be like Heinz feet. It, he, it's called to be able, if you, isn't it just awesome when you're traveling in Colorado? People watching online, they may not understand this, but man, you can travel in Colorado and you see these rams or mountain sheep or whatever they're called and they'll be you look straight up and it's like they're up probably thousands of feet or hundreds of feet and they're on this little bitty ledge i mean and they're just like this and you think how 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 
And are you going to die there? Because I, how can you get up? Can you go down? <laughs> you can get down, just jump. But I mean, I mean, how, what are you going to do? But the, you know what? They have special hooves. Is that what you call them? And, and they can grab on most like the side of the cliff and they just shimmy up and, and get up and they can go anywhere and get the reason part of that is there's no predators there. Nothing can touch them. It gives the whole meaning of can't touch this. <laughs> you can't touch them, man. Nobody can get that high. Nobody's going to go. All the predators go, no, I'm not that hungry. Not that hungry. The point is this. God says, I will make your feet like Hines' feet, and I will take you to those high places where predators, where fear, where doubt, where unbelief, or anything of the devil cannot touch you or harm you. But it takes us doing what he did. In verse 18, it says, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. My joy is going to be in you. I know this is life and death. I know there's no food in the fridge. I know there's no money in the bank account. I know my body feels like it's been ran over by a Mack truck. I know all of these things. I know that. But, but I'm going to rejoice in God. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to worship him. He is the joy of my salvation. My hope is in him and my hope will not fade away because my hope is Jesus. And he says... I can connect to that, Mike. God can connect to that. He can connect to that. We need to live from a place of victory. We as believers need to live from a place of victory. Paul said it this way, thanks be to God who always causes me to triumph. None of us know anybody that had the life like Paul. He was put in prison. He was stoned and died. He literally died from being stoned to death. He was put in prison for two years, and he wrote Philippians, which was a book on joy. He was shipwrecked, picked a day and a night in the deep, in the ocean. I mean, he had to look like Prune City. I mean, and, and he did all of these things. People were following him town after town. He was preaching the gospel, and people were following him, not to hear him preach, but to persecute him, to start up a riot. He had revival and riot at the same time. People wanted to kill him. They did kill him one time. They're all out. I mean, can you imagine just, oh, I've got a following. Oh, I've got a great Facebook following. Yeah, they're all out to kill me. <laughs> Those are the ones you don't want to like. Don't like, 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 like. No, no, you don't want that. That's what Paul, Paul would have hated Facebook. <laughs> People trying to just kill him. And yet he says this, thanks be to God who always causes me to triumph. He says, I, I'm always going to win, guys. You can take your best shot, but I'm going to win. Why? How could he do that? He had a revelation of what I'm preaching on to you today. Hope. Hope. He says, I'm going to win no matter what. It may be you can keep me in prison for two years. You can throw your stones. Take your best shot. You can put me on a ship that will crash, and, and you can even snake bite me. I'm going to shake it off. And I'm going to come out on top. I am always going to triumph. You say, he, if I just didn't have these problems. No, you're going to have problems, honey, until you get to heaven. But in the midst of the problems, God says, I can give you victory. You can get snake bit and still survive. You can get shipwrecked and come out all right. People can try to kill you and say all kinds of bad things about you. But when the dust settles, you're going to be the one standing, not them. 
I'm t- why? Because of hope. My hope is in Jesus. My hope is in Jesus. Listen, if something doesn't exist in heaven, it should not exist in you. You should write that down. If it doesn't exist in heaven, and most Christians, I don't care what denomination you are, most Christians know what is in heaven as far as, and what's not in heaven as far as. There's no crying there. There's no sickness there. There's no poverty there. There's no lack there. And uh, there are mother-in-laws there. But I mean, I mean there's a, that was a joke. But uh, there's no bad thing there. And if it doesn't exist in heaven, then it should not exist in your life or my life because we are citizens of heaven. You, as soon as you got born again, you became a citizen of heaven. Not when you get to heaven. I said not when you get to heaven. When you got born again, when the king of kings came to reside inside of you, you became a citizen of heaven from that point on. So if it doesn't exist in heaven today, it should not exist in you today. So it's real easy to, she agrees. So it's real easy to resist. You can resist. Resist when things come upon you. Resist, and you have to do it first of all in between your ears. You have to do it between your ears. We will not win though if we keep making allowances. I would like to do better, pastor, but, and then you go on. I will say this, you really believe everything after the but. You can say what you want to before the but, but it's what you say after the but is what you really believe. I believe for health and and all this, but, you know, I've had this for 20 years. I was born with this. I would like to be happy, but I'm married. I'm finished. I would like to do this, but I would like that, but. I would like to prosper, but you know, my husband, he left me, and so I've got three kids now and not a very good job. I would, but you don't understand, Pastor. We can, as long as you and I keep making allowances, you'll live with it. I kept making allowances for, for, for sickness coming upon me. Well, I did this, and so that's why I'm sick, and I ate this, and I did this, and I did. And I noticed I kept making allowances for, for the, it was like, Sickness was justified in staying around me and on me. So finally I thought, no, no, I'm not going to make allowances for that anymore. We shouldn't make allowances for sickness or poverty or lack or anything. If it doesn't exist in heaven, you need to start resisting it. Listen, 2019, make that the year. I don't, if you had something, a problem for 20 years, if you've been struggling financially for 20 years, if you've been sick or just battling health for 20 years if you've been battling depression i don't care make 2019 your year of hope come on make your the year 2019 your year of hope a hope that you know what i believe that god has set me free from every sickness and disease i believe god has set me free from every poverty and lack i believe that god has placed joy on the inside of me and my joy is not based upon how i'm treated or mistreated or no matter how ugly people get toward me i have the joy of the lord i will be happy not based upon anything that the world can do to me oh because i'm in christ all of your circumstances are in christ do you see that that means all of your problems that you're going to face in 2019 if you know that you're in christ all of them are going to be in christ how has jesus looked to problems like that boat fills up full of water no problem 
You know, when most boats fill full of water, they sink. I'm not a Navy guy, and there's a reason. I'm an Air Force guy. I don't like drowning. But anyway, and uh, I can swim, but just don't like the ocean where things are bigger than me. But, uh, and can eat you. But anyway, when a boat fills up full of water, I do know enough about it that it's going to sink. But Jesus is in the boat. It doesn't sink. So my point is, every circumstance that you're in, Jesus is in with you in this. How was he going to affect that? Well, the disciples, at least they didn't have much faith, but at least they said, hey, Jesus, do you care that, you know, we're going to die? We're going to drown. And Jesus stands up and rebukes the wind and the way. My point is, even when you have a lack of faith, even when you don't have faith, if Jesus is in the boat and you look to him in the boat without faith, it won't sink. Hmm. You think it? My point is this. You know, we think, I just don't have enough faith. Well, there's been lots of times in my life I've not had enough faith. And so I thought, well, I can't receive because I don't have the faith. I'm telling you, I've taken a different avenue to get across that mountain now. I've looked to Jesus. And you know what? I'm pretty sure he always has enough faith. My point is, if you know you're in Christ, oh, this is good. If you know you're in Christ, even when you think you're weak, even think you don't measure up, I haven't been doing right, I haven't been living right, I don't have this and I don't have that. And if you keep focusing on that, you will become hopeless. But if you turn that baby around, my mom always says, you know, that cat feels funny when you, when you rub it. Just turn the cat around, honey, and it'll feel just fine. So you just turn that thing around and what you're thinking. These young guys going, what he mean by that, Dad? Anyway, when you turn your thinking around and you start thinking, you know what? I don't, may not have enough hope. I may not have my act together, but the one who is in me, he's got his act together. He's got enough faith, and by him, I know that I will come out on top every time a believer that knows he's in Christ cannot fail oh we need to live from a place of victory we need to live from a place of victory and so you need to write this down every problem that you and I face in 2019 comes with it a promise and a provision every problem I don't care if it's big I don't care if it's impossible You say, man, this is impossible. No. Every problem, every impossible situation that people may say, in 2019, you can rest assured with that problem comes a promise and a provision attached to it. But we're too busy looking at the problem. Man, you should write that down. And let me tell you, this is why. The problem comes with a promise and a provision because we are citizens of heaven today, not when we get to heaven. I'm a citizen of heaven today. And because I'm a citizen of heaven today, that problem has a promise with it. And how many think the promise is much bigger than the problem? How many think that the promise is much bigger than the problem? You know, you may have this fear. Oh, cancer, I just... just, My grandfather died of cancer. My father died of cancer. You know, just cancer. People die of cancer in my family. I mean, nobody lives to be over 56. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Cancer. 
This is the good news. The promise is much bigger and much stronger. Light is stronger than darkness. Healing is stronger than sickness. Healing is even stronger than germs. I was reading an article about John G. Lake when the, the blue bonnet plague broke out in Africa. He was over there. People were dying left and right. And so he helped bury them. He helped get the people. And a team from America came over there to help them because it was such devastation going on. And this guy said, uh, well, was talking to John G. Lake and said, well, what, what protection are you using? He said, the law of Christ in Christ Jesus is protecting me from everything. And the guy laughed at him. He said, you're going to die. And he said this, John G. Lake said, they were, you know, when they had blue-blonde plague and they were dying, foam would come out of their mouth. I don't know. Use your imagination. So he says, doctor, if you would get that foam and put it underneath a microscope and see if it's alive, and then put those same germs on my hand, unprotected hand, and then stick it underneath the micro- microscope and just tell me what you see. He did. I know some of you may not think, that's hard to believe. You don't know the power that is in you. He said he did. Those germs were just a swimming and a squirming and just all live, having a party. And when he put them, his hand underneath there, they died. They were just no movement whatsoever. And the man was astounded. Healing is stronger than any germ that can come against your body. But if you don't believe that, then no, it doesn't. I tell you what, I've been focusing on this. I'm believing this. Part, partly because just a few weeks ago, one of my sons, you know, they said, Dad, you're just a germophobia. And of course, you know, when somebody says something about you, you know, that's negative, you just go, no, I'm not. And soon as I said, no, I'm not, the Holy Ghost inside me said, yes, you are. You know, I mean, I buy Germex by the gallon. You know what I mean? Just bathe in it. You know, if somebody sneezed, I'm good. I'm good. We're all good here. Clear sign. And so I started thinking that, and I go, he's right. I'm a germophobia. And the Lord says, my healing power will kill every germ if you believe that. If you believe that. I'm not saying, you know, don't just go... I'm going to try that. No, you'll fail if you try it. But I'm telling you, if you understand, if you believe that every problem comes with a promise and a provision, the negativity that's been coming against you and me will not have any breath to breathe. It will be taken into 50,000 feet and it will not be able to survive. Praising, worshiping, believing. In 2019, there's only possibilities not impossibilities. Let's stand.